have a word this morning, and if you, if those of you that uh, have the, ch- the 360 Church app, raise your phones if you got the 360 Church app. Okay, some of you don't. But if you have the 360 Church app, you already know what the message title is, because Pastor George made sure it was on there. So when you, when you pop it up, make sure you refresh it. You're going to see a nice, refreshing glass of lemonade right there. And the title of today's message is, A Servant, an Orphan, and a Glass of Lemonade. Hallelujah. So if you don't have the church app, download that, because that's the best way to stay connected and find out what's going on here at 360 Church. Let's turn our attention to Matthew chapter 28 this morning. Matthew chapter 28. And those of you that... uh, didn't have your phones, or don't have your phones or your Bible. You can follow along on the screen. It should be up there. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. So turn to your neighbor on your right and say, I want to show, he's going to show you something. Okay, say it louder. There you go. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, he wants to show you something this morning. All right. That's you. I'm talking to you, 360 Church. I want to show you something here in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples here on earth before he ascended. This is the account of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And he records it this way, that Jesus told his disciples... I have been given all, say all, all authority, not just some authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, that's important. That's important. We're going to talk about that. So, because I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these disciples to obey what I've commanded you. And he ended with this. I am with you always, even to the end. I'm not just going to be with you part of the way. I'm going to be with you always, even to the end. Right? I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. Sometimes when we grow up in church or we've seen scriptures before, we, we, we kind of miss the gravity or the weight of what is being said. Understand that, see, Jesus was telling them something. What he was saying was this. I just took back authority. I just took back authority. Because when I came to earth as a man, as the son of God, but as a man, and then I was crucified and I died and then was resurrected, 
something happened there. I took back authority. And now that I have the authority that I just took back, I'm giving it to you. Now, this is key. This is key because, see, this happened once before. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So all authority in heaven and earth. Why would Jesus say this? So remember when the teachers of the law and the leaders of the Jews would come and they would question Jesus. Jesus would, would travel around with his disciples and he would heal people and he would teach in the synagogues and, and they, were, they marveled at his wisdom and they didn't want to challenge him because this guy knew what he was talking about and they could tell. They, they could tell that the authority and the power behind it and they didn't necessarily agree with what he was doing and they wanted to challenge him but they were careful because they recognized that he carried something. And they would say, and they would say, and sometimes they, they, would, they would question him, and they would say, by what authority do you do these things? See, they recognized that he was operating in an authority, and there was power behind it. You don't heal everybody that comes to you for healing without having some authority and power. You agree? Jesus, every person, there's not one scripture recorded where Someone came to Jesus for healing, and he didn't heal them. Think about that. So you have to have some authority and power for that to happen. And the Jews would say, the, the, the Jewish leaders would say, by what authority do you come and heal? By what authority do you allow your disciples to do this or do that? By what authority? You guys tracking with me? See, they recognized that he moved in the authority of heaven. He was God who came to earth in the flesh. He became man. But let me remind you of something. Remember when Jesus began his ministry, and it was, it was so he goes and John the Baptist uh, um, baptizes him. Boy, we're hitting that baptism thing a lot this morning. John baptizes him, and he, when he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends, and the voice says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit fell on him, right? And then it says, immediately after that, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to what? To be tempted, right? To be tempted, right? And so Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights as he withdrew into the desert. And what happened in the desert? What happened was the tempter came. The tempter came. Satan showed up. And he, we, there's some dialogue that you can go read later that happens between him and Jesus. But see, Satan uses the same old tricks. He uses the same he, he, things have not changed from that point to all the way back in, at creation in Genesis. He did the same thing with Adam and Eve. What did he do? He came and he did what? He tempted them. And, and it's, he's got no new tricks. It's always about self-promotion and gratification. You don't need God. Mixes a little truth in with a lie, right? He tried to do that with Jesus. Why do we say Jesus is the second Adam, right? So he did it to Adam and Eve. He got them to disobey God and sin, and sin entered the world, separation happened, right? And then from that point on, here's what happened. See, we just think that, we just think that the sin happened and then the separation came. But here's what happened. See, 
in the Garden of Eden, God gave what? He gave authority. He gave his authority to man. He gave his authority here on earth to man. He transferred that authority, and he, and, but it was all out of relationship. It was all out of relationship. It was Adam had the power of God behind him, but he had the authority from God. God said, whatever you do, whatever you name the animals, that's what they're going to be called. But you do it. He gave them authority. Right? He, he, he said, take dominion over the earth. Right? He commanded. So he, he transferred his authority to Adam. Now, when Adam sinned in the garden, what happened to that authority? Adam only had that authority literally a brief amount of time. That authority slipped through his fingers when he sinned. And that authority fell to Satan. We know this because in that scene where Jesus is tempted in the desert, what happens? Satan takes him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He shows him the kingdoms of the world and he says, this could be yours if you would only bow down and worship me. All the kingdoms of the world can be yours if you bow down and worship me. He hasn't learned anything new. Self-promotion, self-gratification, right? He hasn't learned anything new. What he was saying is, what he was trying to do was trying to get Jesus, the second Adam, but the Son of God, to relinquish the authority once again. Relinquish the authority that he carried from heaven, right? And Jesus said, no, I ain't buying it. I ain't buying what you're selling. He did what Adam should have done in the garden, right? And so this authority, so if, if here, what I'm trying to show you is this, is that Satan had authority even if it was something that he took that wasn't his. Man was given authority and man gave him, gave Satan authority on this earth, right? Even if it's illegal authority, right? He took it when it wasn't supposed to be his. After Jesus is killed and resurrected, something happened. Happened. Jesus now had the right to take the authority back. So he took, he, he, so that's why it was so important because he, he took the sin of the world upon himself. He, he became the sacrificial lamb for us, the eternal sacrifice for our sin. See, before that, when sin separated us from God, we would have to, there, there wasn't any real, uh, there wasn't any real relationship, intimacy relationship with God, right? Because that we had been separated, and the sin, there wasn't really any forgiveness for the sin. There would have to just be this temporary thing that would happen where the priests would come in, and, and the law was given so that you could follow this law, and then you, you had to follow it to the, to the, you had to dot every I and cross every T, and, and you had to follow this, and then the, and then the priest and the, men, and, the, and the leaders and the men of God would, would sacrifice, would make a sacrifice, uh, they would sacrifice an animal and shed that blood, but it still would not be a forgiveness of sin. It would just cover the sin temporarily. 
so that you could, you could commune with God temporarily. And so what happened was when Jesus died and he was slain for our sins at the cross and he was resurrected again, he took back authority once and for all for mankind. He took back the authority that God had given Adam, okay, that Adam had lost to Satan, the prince and power of the air of this world. He took back the power and authority. That's, that's huge. So what happens in this scene in Matthew 28 is that Jesus says, hey, guys, I'm back. I'm resurrected. And he spent a few days with him. And he, he, he you know, you can go uh, read the recordings of, of what happened during those times. But this is the last time. He's only been resurrected for a few days, and he's about to ascend to the Father. And the last thing he says is this. I give you the authority that I just took back. That's a scary thing. Think about that. God gave it to Adam. Adam lost it right away. Then for thousands of years, Satan had the authority. He ruled the world. Jesus comes back, takes the authority back, and the first thing he does is give it back to us. That should make you shake in your shoes. Amen. Even if you're wearing new J's like I got on. Fire. Authority. He took the authority back, and the first thing that he did was give it back to us. That's an incredible, incredible thing to think about. Took authority back, gave it to us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, records this. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And again, he's speaking to his disciples before before he leaves, after he's crucified and resurrected. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's basically, this is recording probably that same conversation. And I imagine he probably said it several times. But in Acts, it's recorded this way. You will receive what? Power. He said, I'm giving you authority, but I'm not just going to give you the authority. What's authority without power? I'm going to give you power. And I'm going to do that through the Holy Spirit. When it comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's key. If you're not a witness, just reverse that scripture. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Authority is not real if it doesn't have power to back it up. So that is why Jesus says in Matthew, be sure of this, I am with you always remember that we just read a few minutes ago i'm with you always to the end what he's saying is i'm giving you authority but i'm backing it with power i'm gonna do that by the holy spirit i'm leaving but i'm sending the holy spirit and he's gonna bring this i'm giving you the authority he's gonna bring the power and he's gonna back you in everything you do as you go throughout the world and what make disciples that's right Make disciples. Is it interesting that, he's, that he doesn't say, 
go and tell people about Jesus and have an altar call and have them raise their hand and get saved. Now that's part of the process. But that's not making disciples. See, that word making disciples literally means like teaching, cultivating, mentoring, building. It's work. It's work. I've heard people say, oh, I'd like to just come in and release the word. People get saved, and then I'll, I'll go and let, let somebody else do that work. That's, you're not even following scripture there. That Nowhere it says to do that. Jesus said, go make disciples. You know what that means? Let me show you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. That means, hey, Ray. Hey, man, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done. And then when you see what I'm saying and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart through my words, I want you to come follow me because I'm going to show you by my life and I'm going to walk with you and you're going to walk with me as you grow in your faith in following Jesus. So come follow Jesus by following me. Come on. That's making, <laughs> he's getting up. I love it. love that guy. See, that's, that's the beginning of making a disciple. That's the beginning of making a disciple. That's inviting someone. Paul said, imitate me. The apostle Paul said, imitate me. That's a scary thing because you know what that means? That means I've got some stuff that you probably, I probably don't want you to see. But I'm going to be willing to open my life and say, God, I'm a follower of you. And you said, go make disciples. So I'm going to open my life up to this person. And I'm going to imitate you. I want them to imitate me because I, as I follow you, and then they will, they will become a disciple of you by following me and following my example. That's a scary thing. And it's, me <laughs> it's messy. It's super messy. It's super messy. That's work. It's, it's like, it's not, and we don't, we don't want to do that. It's, like it's, not, it's, it's simply not fun, right? It's, and I'll tell you this. When you follow someone, you get to see, you start to see and get exposed to their weaknesses. Right? We, we don't, we just know Paul through his letters and through scripture. But did you know Paul had weaknesses? We, Paul's a super apostle. I mean, he's, we're here because of Paul. But if we were with Paul, I'm sure that Timothy and Luke and Silas and even Barnabas, those guys that surrounded themselves and traveled with Paul, they probably got tired of him. And they probably saw some things in his life that they didn't like. Or they maybe, you know what, he kind of missed it there. I know he's Paul, but I mean, pfft. right? And so that's the thing about discipleship and doing life together. When we talk about connect groups or hub groups and, and doing life together and inviting people. See, it, that, that's a scary thing for a lot of people because that means I've got to be vulnerable and I'm going to see your mess and you're going to see mine. Right? Go and make disciples, and I will back you with the authority and power. See, in Acts 1.8, it isn't a commandment. 
In Matthew, it was. Here, it's not. It's a statement of fact. So if it's a statement of fact that says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will be my witnesses telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Backtrack that. Backtrack that. I always do this. Maybe it's just me. I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say me and then I'll say you. So if my life ain't really being a witness, that suggests that my life and my faith ain't got no power, which may suggest that I maybe ain't got the Holy Spirit flowing through me. Your turn. If your life ain't really being a witness, it may suggest that your faith ain't got no power. Which may suggest that you ain't got the Holy Spirit power flowing through you. Got pretty quiet in here. See, this is written not to the world. This is written to believers. This scripture in Acts, Jesus is talking to his disciples, the believers, the church, right? And he's not just talking to the disciples, and we think, oh, the 12, the 11, minus Judas. Hey, I'm just saying, right? And, and, and they're responsible, and you throw Paul in the mix, and you're responsible for, like, the explosion of the early church, right? And so, so, we, so we put this, like, huge thing on them. Like, they were, man, if you, that's the thing. You, you guys wouldn't probably stand five days with the disciples. They were a mess. They were a mess. They were an absolute mess. And, and, and you would, you, if you could go back and spend a week with the disciples, you would be like, What? These guys wrote the Bible? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Here's the thing. See, <clears throat> this is not, this scripture in Acts 1 is not just for, for ministers or the, what we'd say the pastors that are fivefold ministry people, right? In fact, Ephesians 4 11 through 16 says that the fivefold ministers are appointed to equip the saints. To equip the church. So technically, I'm here as pastor to guide you so that you do the work of the gospel. Think about that. So that you go in authority and power. So that you go be a witness. So that you go and make disciples. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Josh. So I'm here to guide you to do the work of the gospel. That's my job. Now, I have a responsibility still to go and make disciples. But it's my responsibility as a pastor and a minister of the gospel to equip you to go do the same. See, we, we get it twisted sometimes. We make all, all kinds of excuses and why we, we can't spread the good news of Jesus to others. We want you. Uh, so here's the reason why, and I'm going to tell you this, and then we're going to do a quick skit, and then we're, 
down to just a few minutes left and before we close tonight. I want to, I want to, I got, you know, you guys see the props up here. But I want to shift your perspective. And there's this shift that, that needs to happen, and, and, it's, and it's not a hard shift, guys. This isn't, this isn't something like Jesus doesn't give us something hard, right? Following Jesus in, in, in making that decision to follow him is not a hard decision. Now, sometimes you might go through circumstances and life hits you hard, but that relationship with Jesus ain't hard. It's not hard. See, it's the difference between having the heart of a servant and an orphan mentality. And let me say that again. The heart of a servant is different than an orphan mentality. See, the heart of the servant knows who his father is, knows himself as a son and all the authority and power that's backing him and that's given to him by the father. And he chooses to serve his father's needs and his father's kingdom in spreading what his father's kingdom, in spreading his father's kingdom and everything that his father wants to do. And, he, and Jesus, that's why we look at Jesus, and he said, Jesus came to serve, right? He had a servant's heart. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. So a servant heart. There's a big difference. Sometimes we get it twisted. Servant heart. Orphan mentality. And I, I could use some what scriptures call a slave mentality, right? There's a difference. And sometimes we get it twisted. We, we think, oh, I'm just a slave for Christ. No, you're not. If you are, you got it twisted even though some translations might say that in some scriptures, they use that word, but that's not it. Because you're a son and a daughter. And there's a big difference. When you're a son and a daughter, you serve your father, and you serve his will, and you do it willingly because you're an extension of your father's heart. You're an extension of your father's heart, and you're connected to him. You know what he's doing, what he's saying, and what he wants to do. And you carry his love, right? and you serve others, and you love people, right? But if you're a slave or you have an orphan mentality, it's me, 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 and I know you're going to take from me because I have trauma in my life, and I've been taken from my whole life, and so I don't believe you, and I'm only going to do, an orphan will only do what they're forced to do. And when you're not looking, they're going to steal from you. Right? There's a big difference. So shift your, your, your mindset from that to the heart of a servant. That's connected to your father's heart. Okay. Worship team's behind me. We're going to do this skit. I'm going to have George come up. We're going to demonstrate this. I love props. And we didn't practice this, so. Okay, let's do it, George. Okay, here's the scene. George is working in his yard. I'm working in my yard. Woo! It's 105 degrees out here today, neighbor. Woo! Man, this heat, huh? It's a scorcher, all right. Yeah, I bet you've always wondered why my lawn looks better than yours, right? How I'm able to do this and work in my, my garden and in my lawn when it's so hot outside. Must be.
Yep. Okay, now we're going to replay the scene. This time, neighbor George working in his lawn. I'm working, we have the same conversation. Woo! This heat, boy. Yeah, well, no. I'm kind of like Superman. I could work out here all day. Well, let me tell you, neighbor George, my secret I'll share with you. You know, it's a special sauce. I can't tell you what's in it. That's not yours. This is yours. Isn't that refreshing, life-giving, delicious sustenance? Okay, cheers. Okay, now we're going to play the same scene over again. This time, you guys, grab that. Don't come up yet. Don't come up yet. We're going to replay the scene. Grab your jars. Here we go. 105 degree temperature. Woo! Man, it's a scorcher out here today, neighbor George. I bet you wonder why my lawn looks always much better than yours and I have so much energy out here making this look great. Yep. Yep. You want me to come over and do your bushes for you? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be right over. I bet you wonder what gives me life and energy. That too. Glad you noticed, neighbor George. No, I want to share something with you. I want to share the source of my energy and life-giving strength. Yes. This right here, brother, this is some delicious stuff. Go ahead and pour yourself some of that. Oh, he's going to drink right out of the jar. <laughs> you can do that, too. That's yours and yours to keep. Yes. And let me tell you something, neighbor George. I'm going to teach you how to make your own life-giving sustenance, your own life-giving drink to keep thirst. you going. And you I'll, I'll never thirst again. You, and you will never <laughs> thirst again. But see, it's more than just this. It's more than just having the, the perfect lemons and maybe growing the perfect lemon tree and, and squeezing and, and, and getting the right, go ahead, take another drink, and, and getting the right equation and, and, and the right ingredients in there and mixing up the water and the lemon juice and, and the secret ingredient that I won't tell you about until later. And then, and then the, the sweetener that you sweeten it with that gives you Life-giving sustenance. But there's more than that, neighbor George. As I begin to, if you come with me, we'll take care of your, you, yes, don't drop your juice. Come with me, 
let's hang out, and I want to teach you how to make this. In fact, I got some friends here, too. You guys come on up. And they have their own jars, as you can see. Yeah. And see, so we do this together. So here's the secret to my beautiful lawn and my beautiful garden. I have help. I don't do it alone. Tell him, guys, he's not alone. not alone. Yeah, high five, high five, yeah, yeah. high five, <laughs> high five. High five. All right. Super awkward and funny, but that's okay. It reveals the message. <laughs> they were supposed to grab rakes and help, not sit there and watch, but <laughs> it's all part of the deal. I can finish the message with my glasses and hat on. How about that? So here's the deal, guys, as we close. In the first scene, what we have is the guy that says, I live next to George, my neighbor. I'm a believer, but George doesn't know it. And I'm not going to tell him. In fact, I'm going to hide my life giving. I don't know which one's mine. I'm not going to drink it. Uh, somewhere there. I don't know what happened to it. But I'm not going to share it with him. And when he's not looking, I might sneak off to church or do something spiritual, right? But I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him what gives me life. I'm not going to tell him what my secret is, what my faith. I'm not going to share that with him. In the second scene, I did something a little different. I took what I had and I shared it with him. But I only gave him a little bit. And I didn't tell him where I got it from. And he had a good encounter. He, he quenched his thirst for a minute. But I didn't tell him where the well was, where he could keep his own pitcher full. Right? And in the third scene, it was a little awkward, I know. But we tried to portray that we do this together. We do it as family. In fact, I, I bring George his own full jar. And, I, and I, I tell neighbor George, look, I can teach you how to make this for yourself. But you got to come follow me so I can get all the right ingredients. And guess what? We'll help you do your lawn too because I got friends and I don't do this alone. I do it with other people. And they have their own, they know how to make their own life-giving sustenance, right? And as we do that, it just multiplies. And we all use the same recipe, right? We go to the same manufacturer, <laughs> Colonel Sanders' recipe. See, there's a difference that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 28, making disciples. It's work. It's offering something to someone and saying, man, you need an encounter. You need to taste what I'm tasting. It's personal. I'm not just going to sneak off to church on Sunday and, and if you see me, go, where are you going, neighbor? Oh, well, I'm going, going to church. And I don't use that as an opportunity. Let me tell you. Hey, man, I belong 
to a community of believers who are following Jesus, man. I don't know what you know about Jesus, neighbor George, but let me tell you what he's done for me. He broke addiction out of my life. He caused healing to happen to my heart. He's, he's redeemed my relationships. My sons and my daughters who weren't serving God are now, are now serving him, and they love God with all their heart. Or I was sick. I was sick, and, and God healed me. He healed my back or my knee. Or he healed my heart or my emotions. Let me tell you, and I'm not here to, to preach at you, neighbor George, but if there's anything in my story that speaks to your heart, I want to tell you the source of that. And then secondly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you to this man called Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what he's all about. But I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to invite you to follow me into this family of believers. Because we don't do it alone. We're not lone wolves. If you do it alone, you'll die. You'll die. We weren't made to do it alone. And, and neighbor George, if you come with me, you can experience it too. And you might have your, your own circumstances that you'll walk through, but you won't walk through it alone. And there's authority and power that back us. There's authority and power from our Heavenly Father. See, that's, guys, that's why we tell you every week about hub groups, about grow tracks. We're not just doing it just to, just to say that we have nice programs. We're doing it because we were made for relationship, and in relationship is life. Is life. Is life. But it's all part of the process. It's all part of making disciples. That's why we try to, we, we put these, where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? These cards. Every week, I make sure there's cards that, uh, out so you can see, you can take them with you. That's an easy invitation to neighbor George. That's an easy invitation to say, come with me to church. You don't have to say very much. Just If you don't know what to say, just, man. I just experienced life. I want you to experience it, man. Just be my guest one Sunday. Get them here. Because when they see what you experience every Sunday and in between Sundays through Hub Group and all the other things that we have going on, it's life. Who wouldn't want that? But it's messy. It's messy because an invitation to follow you is a messy thing. But it's what Jesus said to do. He said, he didn't say wait till you're perfect. And then go make disciples. He just said, go make disciples. You have the authority that I just took back. You have the power of heaven through the Holy Spirit to help you. Bow your heads. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for every heart in here this morning. Lord, I just pray that this morning that through our just funniness and telling and just a, a funny story about neighbor George, that through that, through this and looking at your scriptures, Lord, and what you commanded Jesus from the, from the first thing being resurrected and, and showing yourself to your disciples you said go make more disciples build my church by making disciples and literally spreading your love and your message to the world lord i just pray that we get a better glimpse of that this morning what community is what church is really all about why we do what we do we're here to build people lord Build people to be the best sons and daughters that you've created them to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I want you to leave.